If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 1, we're going to continue our study on the discipline of meditation that we began last week. And I gave you last week some homework. And I told you I wasn't going to check it. But I am curious, in your own heart, I don't need to raise your hands, I don't want to embarrass anyone, did you even attempt the homework? Or was it just over your head? Now, I have good news for you. I have really good news. Somebody did his homework so well, that was an encouragement. I had a, I've had a roller coaster of a week, alternately good news and bad news, good news and bad news. And Jeff was an encouragement this week. He called me and he said, let me tell you what I got out of meditating on John 10, verse 9 this week. So, Jeff, are you comfortable coming on up here? I'd, I'd love for you to share those same thoughts with these people. Uh, because he caught the essence of what I wanted you to do. And here's a picture. This is the one I found. I, Jeff had sent me some others, but this is the one I found. Jeff, take a few minutes. Share with us what okay. you received from meditating on John 10, 9. I'm glad I could be an encouragement to our, our pastor this week. You know, sometimes you have no idea what kind of week people are having. Sure. And uh, But the problem I'm having right now is Pastor said, can you share this with the church exactly how you just said it? And, and I don't remember how I said it. So, so things don't stay up here very well anymore. But there's an upside to that because that gives me more of a reason to meditate on God's Word. Amen. Reason number two, I can't hold a grudge. Right. I forget who I'm mad at. Anyway, John, John uh, 10, 9, it says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor. Well, the first thing I noticed was um, it says, I am the door. He said not say, I am a door. Right. So there's only one door. Yep. And I, I looked at these pictures of sheep pens back in Jesus' day, and there's only, there's only one door. And that's, that's kind of like the picture I've seen, but the, the shepherd was blocking the door. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this next thing I noticed is it says you can go in and out and, and uh, find pastor. But I know when I started studying about sheep, when the sheep go out, the pastor goes, or the the, uh, the master goes with them. Yep. So just like us, we we take them with us everywhere we go, Amen. and that was an encouragement to me. And I also uh, shared a little bit about the next verse. It, uh, it says, uh, "The thief cometh not, but to, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly." I noticed it said again, not a thief but the thief and that's talking about satan here and that's what he comes to do and if we don't take the the shepherd with us he's out there to destroy us and to so it was really good just to to meditate on these these verses i i did actually read the whole chapter but i just uh was just more happy that i could be an encouragement to our pastor and, and 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 like i said you don't know what people are going through and i was just happy to be an encouragement thank you So week by week, Cindy is helping me, and there is a verse to meditate on in your bulletin. Uh, You open it up here, and on the uh, left-hand side, you'll see that this week's verse is Philippians 1.6. We've been doing this all year as part of our emphasis on the uh, power of the Bible. Uh, And so if you are wondering what to meditate on week by week, take a look at your bulletin. Now, if you have a passage that you're meditating on, Keep meditating on that passage. But I'm absolutely convinced, and this is one of the reasons that we're talking about this in our Back to Basics series, I'm absolutely convinced that as Christians, meditating on the Word of God is a, is a major source of our strength, or 
If we don't meditate on the word of God, it's a major reason that we don't have the strength that God intends for us to have. Psalm chapter 1 again. Let me read to you the first four verses of Psalm 1, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Father, we are, we're grateful for your word. It has power. It's a source of change in our lives. It's a source of direction. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Boy, it's a rock on which we can build our lives. And we're so grateful for your word. Now I ask specifically, as we come to the scriptures to study them, to meditate on them, that you would open our eyes to truth, use your Holy Spirit to bring the truth to our attention, and then also to show us the application to our lives. Thank you for the encouragement you give us day by day, for the encouragement that the ladies were in singing to us this morning for the encouragement Jeff was again in uh, sharing his meditation. Lord, we need to encourage one another, exhort one another daily. So I pray that this, uh, this afternoon when we, when we end our morning worship, that we would take time to stop and say a word of kindness, a word of encouragement, or perhaps reach out and say, help me to a fellow Christian so that we can exhort each other as you call us to. Again, we pray for Alice and ask for comfort for her. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we looked at a couple of points already. Let me just remind you of what those were before we get to verse 3. The discipline of meditation is a conscious effort, an intentional effort, to align my thinking with God's thinking. And I do that by taking a verse of Scripture or taking a passage, a piece of Scripture, and either writing it out and looking at it, reading it over and over, or uh, memorizing it. Memorizing it and repeating it to myself over and over. Mining it for meaning. Last week we saw that the major impediment to our meditation is when instead of meditating on Scripture, we are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, or we're standing in the way of sinners, or we're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And another a lady, one of you ladies shared with me this week how in meditating on that verse, you were reminded of some, some things we have to avoid. Again, as you meditate, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. The Holy Spirit is going to say, okay, in your life, this is how you're going to apply this. The meaning is going to be the same for all of us, but because we're in different seasons of life, because we have different positions and different responsibilities, the application, how we live it out may be different. And that's the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to work as we meditate on Scripture. But impediments. Do you remember why we are motivated to meditate? What is it that motivates us? And I'm asking this rhetorically, but what is it that motivates us to meditate? It's not because the pastor's given us homework. It's not because we're gaining points, gaining credits that later we're going to cash in with God, say, God, well, I've been meditating, so now you have to do this for me. That's, that's not the motivation of meditation. 
In verse 2, it tells us, His delight is in the law of the Lord. We meditate on God's word because we love God and we love his word. And I guarantee you, the more time you spend meditating on his word, the more time you allow it to saturate your soul and to open your eyes to the truth, the more times you're going to see that God's word is always right. And it's always powerful. Another verse says that it's quick and powerful. It's alive. It's as if. It's as if the Holy Spirit takes the the words of Scripture and brings them to life before your very eyes. And as you see that, as you experience that in your life, boy, you love God's Word more. You delight in God's Word more. So our motivation to meditate is that delight we have in God's Word. We talked about the methods that we're going to use as we meditate, that we're going to consider the context. Jeff mentioned reading the whole chapter Uh, John chapter 10, and he even referred to some of his meditation on John 10, 10. And I didn't get up and rebuke him and say, no, 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 only verse 9. Because as you're meditating, the Holy Spirit may bring your attention to something before that verse or after that verse in the passage that opens up its truth to you. So consider the context, consider the vocabulary that's used. Jeff mentioned, I am the door that he's Whether he's a grammar teacher or not, what has he done there? He's drawn our attention to what God wrote in his word. Not, I am a door. You know, there may be others. I am the door. There's only one. Think about the word picture there. Jesus being that door, sitting in that passageway. So number one, the sheep can't get out prematurely, but also so that no evil can get in and take the sheep. And then I love how he said it. And I had not thought of this when when he brought it to my attention. And go in and out, but the shepherd doesn't just sit in the door and say, okay, go out and find pasture, have fun, see you in the evening. No, he goes with them and helps them find that pasture. So these are some of the methods we use in godly meditation. Today we're going to pick it up with the improvements. What happens when you meditate? What what happens to you, the improvements of godly meditation? Before I get there, let me tell you a, a story from the gold rush days here in California about a man named Hubert Elton. Uh, Hubert Elton was uh, one of these gold miners up in the hills. Some of you have been to some of the historic sites here in California where they show you different mines or the mills that used to crush the ore to get the gold out. Well, Hubert Elton had made his fortune in gold and he was headed back to San Francisco to cash that gold in. He decided he would leave some of it behind. He didn't want to spend all of it at one time. He was afraid he might get robbed. So he buried about half of that gold, about 26 pounds of gold. And he buried it right here in Solano County, about halfway between the gold mines and San Francisco. There's only one problem. He died in San Francisco before he came back to claim that gold. Now, 26 pounds of gold is about a quarter of a million dollars. Let's imagine for a minute, let's imagine that somebody said to you, you know what, I know exactly where Hubert buried that gold and it's in your backyard. How many of you would spend time digging up your backyard looking for gold? I would if they told me it was in my backyard. Now, now, don't go home and dig up your backyard. There's a real important reason. Hubert Hubert Elton is a made-up story. 
but I want you to think about what would you be willing to do for a quarter of a million dollars? I'd be willing to dig up my backyard. Now, I wouldn't dig it up with a shovel. I'd get a backhoe, right? I'd get one of those metal detectors, and, but I'd, still, I'd be willing to tear up my backyard for a quarter of a million dollars if I knew it was there. Now, I can guarantee you that treasure worth more than a quarter of a million dollars can be found right here in Scripture. But it does take effort. It takes you deciding you're going to make time and you're going to spend precious uh, energy, mental energy to, to comprehend and to apply the scriptures. Some of you have jobs. I know some of you have jobs. You've told me by the time you get home from work, you're just spent mentally. You don't want to think about anything else. You just want to sit and, and just vegetate. That's why I call you couch potatoes. Right? You just sit on the couch, not necessarily watch anything, maybe not read anything, maybe just stare off into the distance. Because you're men- mentally spent, you need to ask God to open your eyes to the opportunities you have to spend some of the precious mental energy you have left to study the scriptures and to meditate on the scriptures because it will make such a difference in your life. I want you to see how it's going to make a difference, though, from verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That first point, there's a permanence to me. There's a basis for permanent growth in meditating on God's word. A basis for permanent growth, lasting growth, growth that continues into eternity, literally. Notice the word picture he uses. He uses a tree. Now, can you think in your mind what other word picture is used for something that doesn't last, that also grows, but it doesn't last very long? What other word picture do we have? Grass. The grass withers, dies, it's gone in a day. Trees are permanent. Trees are permanent. They, they last for a while. I have mentioned before that in the Wenatchee area of central Washington, they have apple, many apple orchards. And I asked one of the pastors there one time, I said to him, how old are some of these trees that are still producing apples? He said, some of these trees are over 100 years old and they're still producing apples. There's permanence there. The, the, the basis of permanent growth in my life is going to be my meditation, not merely my study, because this whole passage is talking about In his law doth he meditate. The basis for permanent growth in my life is going to be that meditation on God's word. American Christians, in general, we have a problem. And our problem is we want some shortcut to spiritual growth. I call it microwave Christianity. We want to be able to put our Christianity in the microwave, turn it on one minute, and then be fully grown. That's not the way Christianity works. You cannot come to your Bible a couple times a week for a few minutes, read a few verses, come on Sunday morning and worship with us and expect to grow as a Christian. Not significantly, not in a last, it takes more effort than that. The tree also not only represents permanence, but it represents investment. It represents investment. I came to Elmira now about uh, four years ago. We were talking about it, uh, Nita and I were talking about it this morning, about four years ago. And when I came to Elmira, I drove down Meridian Road. That's the road that's, that's an orchard away 
from the um, sewer plant that's over there. And when I came four years ago, they had just planted that orchard. And the trees were little spindly trunks and just a few leaves at the top. And I was driving by there the other day, and I noticed that they're full-grown trees now. And I would guess, it's been four years, it might be one more year, but I'm guessing that this year they're going to get a crop of almonds from those trees. They're going to bloom here in the uh, uh, late winter. They're going to have almonds, and by the middle of the summer, they're going to be literally shaking those trees, and the almonds fall off, and they collect them. But they've waited five years, four or five years for the first crop. And I can guarantee you it's not inexpensive to prepare the ground and to buy the trees and to plant the trees and to water the trees for four or five years before you get the first crop. There's an investment there. And again, when you start meditating on God's word, you might not see results the first day, although you might. You might not see a whole lot of results the first week or the first month. But I guarantee you, if you'll stick at it, if you'll keep investing time and mental energy into meditating on God's word, it will pay off. I'm speaking from experience. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, I spent time investing in meditating on God's word and I'm seeing the results today. And I'll continue to see those results for not only the rest of my life, but into eternity. Because remember, there's only a few things that the Bible says last forever. One, of course, is God, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He goes into eternity. One is the souls of men. Everyone here will spend eternity somewhere. You'll either spend eternity in heaven, in the presence of a glorious God, or you'll spend eternity in hell, separated from God forever. But there's one other thing that the Bible tells us is forever, and that is the Word of God. And the investment you put into the Word of God today will last you into eternity. I don't know what form it will take, but I'm convinced that God will continue to bless that investment. Think about this. Our actions start with thinking. Now, there are some things we do without thinking. Hopefully, you've built some good habits into your life and you do those things without thinking. But most of the the actions we take and all of the conscious actions we take, they start with thinking. And so our thinking must be rooted deeply in the soil of God's word. So where are you investing your mental energy, your discretionary mental energy? Again, some of you have work. You've got to go to work. You've got to make decisions. You've got to think about things. I understand that. Setting that aside, when you come home from work or before you go to work, how are you spending that discretionary mental energy? Are you watching TikTok videos? Well, I can tell you where, where you're going to get you're thinking from if you're watching TikTok. Are you watching YouTube videos? Now, YouTube videos, again, I've watched YouTube videos that have helped me fix my mirror on the car, for example. And I'm grateful for YouTube and those videos. But you can spend a lot of time watching YouTube, watching cats. Now, I'm not a big fan of cats anyway. But even if I were a fan of cats, is that the best use of my time? You can spend that discretionary mental energy watching entertainment or listening to music. But again, all of that's having an influence on you. And I ask you again, are you setting down roots, deep roots into God's word? He shall be like a tree. Notice the next phrase there. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. 
Now, if you didn't know much about the Bible, but you knew a whole lot about trees and biology, you could guess what this is talking about. A tree that's planted by the waters is going to constantly be nourished. Trees require water. Some of you may have driven down uh, Interstate 5 as you're headed towards Southern California, and you've noticed that on the left side, as you're driving towards Southern California, towards LA, you'll notice on the left side of Interstate 5, there are acres and acres of orchards. And a couple years ago, as I was driving that, I noticed on the right side, there were some dried up trees. Now, I wonder, I don't know, I'm guessing that the farmer who owned that property on the, this would have been the west side of I-5, he planted the trees there expecting there would be a source of water for them. And my guess is at some point, his water source got cut off. And when the trees don't have any water, what happens? They die. They wither and die. But if you are meditating on God's word, you're going to be like a tree that's planted, not by a trickle of water, not by an occasional rain. You're going to be a tree planted by the rivers of water. Some of you have been out to the American Midwest. I noticed this in in Mongolia as well. You'll be driving through a valley and off in the distance, you'll see a line of, well, not really a line. It's more of a squiggle of trees. And you know what that squiggle of trees is marking? A water course, a river or a stream that flows all year long. And because there's water there, those trees can survive even in times of drought. But let me take it a step further because in the Bible, water is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Water is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what God is telling us here is when we're meditating on Scripture, it opens up our minds and opens up our hearts to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because how does the Holy Spirit teach us? Doesn't teach us today through dreams or visions. He doesn't teach us with intuition. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13, and I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Not in the words of man's wisdom, but the words of Scripture is what the Holy Spirit uses to teach us. Now, if you've ever taken time, you, by God's grace, you have taken time to meditate on God's Word. Have you noticed that you'll come up to a life experience, you'll come up to a certain situation or circumstance, and the Holy Spirit will bring back to your memory that Word, those words that you meditated on and he'll give you direction and advice and counsel and grace and and resistance, resistance to temptation through those very words. We see this concretely in the life of Jesus Christ, who, when he was tempted by Satan, always quoted scripture. In the temptation that's listed for us in Luke 4, same uh, event listed for us in Matthew 4, When Satan comes and he tempts Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, well, you know, the rabbis say. Jesus didn't say, well, I think. Or Jesus didn't say, that's stupid. He said, the word says. And he had obviously memorized it. He's out in the desert. He's far from any source of a Bible or any source of an Old Testament. He has memorized and he's quoting scripture to Satan. One of the best defenses you have against sin against wrong thinking is to fill your mind with scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart 
that I might not sin against thee. That's what the psalmist says to God. But the Holy Spirit uses the words of Scripture to teach us and uses the words of Scripture to guide us and uses the words of Scripture to strengthen us. So when we don't have the words of Scripture, guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't have that instrument that He uses, that He wants to use to help us. When we meditate on the Bible, we're feeding our spirit, we're weakening our flesh, and we're giving the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, something with which to teach us. I used to teach algebra to high school students, just basic algebra, you know, where 2 plus x equals 5, and find x. That type of basic, basic algebra, I used to teach that to high school students. And every great once in a while, not very often, but every great once in a while, I'd have a student who'd come through the class who didn't know how to add and subtract or multiply and divide. Yeah, how do you teach algebra to someone who doesn't know how to add and subtract? Well, if 2 plus x equals 5, you're going to start by subtracting 2 from both sides, and they say, what is subtract? I don't know what 5 minus 2 is. And often we do that to the Holy Spirit. God has leading for us. He has guidance for us. He has comfort for us. He has grace for us. He has strength for us. But because we are not meditating on his word, it's like coming to an algebra class without knowing how to add or subtract. Now you say, I've never understood algebra. That's okay. In this illustration, the Holy Spirit's going to help you understand the algebra. But you've got to be able to add and subtract. There's got to be a basis from which the Holy Spirit's going to teach you, and you're going to find that basis in the Word of God. So we see permanence. He shall be like a tree. We see provision planted by the rivers of water. Number three, we see productivity that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. There's productivity. There's fruitfulness. Now notice that this productivity, this fruitfulness, comes after growth. If those trees down by the water treatment plant had never grown, they just remained those spindly saplings with a few leaves at the top, they would never produce fruit. It takes growth before you produce fruit. It says here, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. There's a time for fruit, and there's a time when you may not have fruit. My encouragement to you is even if, you're, if you are meditating on Scripture and you are not seeing fruit, don't be discouraged. Keep meditating because you will bring forth fruit in your season. There's fruitfulness. It's guaranteed. Now, there's two types of fruit, two kinds of fruit that are mentioned in the Bible. And we should do a specific study on them at some point. But one type of fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Long-suffering, I said those out of order. Those are, that's character development. That's a change in my attitudes first that results in a change in my behavior. That's one type of fruit that you will experience as you meditate on the Word of God. But there's a second type of fruit that's mentioned in the, in the Bible. And that is to reproduce ourselves as Christians. I can guarantee that somebody shared the gospel with you. And somebody said, this is important. You need to pay attention. And then after you realize that Jesus Christ had died in your place, he rose again, and that he had 
paid all the penalty of your sin and all you had to do, I mean this, all you had to do was by, by faith reach out and accept his gift of grace. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. Yesterday, Matt and I were talking uh, to some folks. In fact, Matt had an amazing opportunity to share the gospel with someone we'd never met before yesterday. We were talking to another man, though, and he said, I don't think you can just ask God for forgiveness and get it. You've got to, I don't think this is the verb he used, but you've got to make up for those sins somehow. You've got to do something good to replace the bad. That man doesn't understand scripture. We had a chance to share a little bit with him, but his, his argument is, I've got to do something. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. When you realize that message was true, and you came to God humbly, and like a beggar, receiving from a, a gift from somebody with wealth, you received that gift of eternal life. You became a Christian. You became a child of God. And I hope everyone here this morning is a child of God. But my guess is it didn't end there for you either. Do you remember someone or maybe a group of people who came alongside you and helped you grow in your Christian life? That's also necessary for the reproduction of Christians. If we can use two words to describe it, we talk about gospel sowing, where we go out and we give the gospel. But then after people are saved, there's a second part of this job, this commission of, this great commission of, 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 of reproducing ourselves, and that is discipleship. To sow the gospel and lead people to Jesus Christ without discipling them, it's like being blessed with a new life, a baby. And in, most Americans, we have our baby at the hospital and leaving the baby by the side of the road on the way home. That would be, well, criminal, literally, tragic to waste that life by leaving it out in the elements. Now, someone else might come along and see that child and take that child in and, and adopt that child. And by God's grace, that child might grow to, to, have, to, to be an adult. But we would never do that with a human life. So let me encourage you, if you're a gospel sower, and many of you are, you're a gospel sower, don't just see it as, well, I'm going to sow the gospel, and if they get saved, I'm going to praise the Lord. No, now we have the job of discipling them. Both this fruit of the Spirit, which is a change in my attitudes that results in a change of behavior, and the gospel sowing and the discipleship, which is reproducing myself as a Christian, both of these are a result of meditation on the scripture. Now, I was thinking about this. Let's imagine that by some terrible circumstance, it became illegal for us to gather as Christians to worship God. And so we're having a meeting like this where we're here to worship God and by the way, if it becomes illegal for Americans to gather to worship the God of heaven, we're going to still gather to worship the God of heaven. We may not meet in this building, but we will continue to do everything we can to meet. But let's imagine we're at one of these meetings and you get arrested and you're taken and you're thrown in jail. Let me ask you, do you have enough scripture memorized that you could continue sowing the gospel even in jail? Do you have enough scripture memorized? And you don't have to have the whole Bible memorized, but do you have enough verses memorized you could disciple someone? 
without having a Bible available to you. Sometimes I think as American Christians, we just say, well, I'll just get my app out on my phone and it'll help me sow the gospel. And by the way, there are several good apps you can get for your phone that'll help you share the gospel. I'm not against that. But I encourage you to memorize those verses. You say, well, I'll get a good discipleship book or again, maybe an app and I'm going to disciple people. Great. I have books that I use as I'm discipling people. But in addition to that, we need to be meditating on God's word. We need to be hiding his word in our hearts because it's out of that meditation. It's out of that change in my thinking that productivity comes. And I think sometimes the mistake that a pastor will make is he'll push his people to be productive. He'll push them to have a change in their behavior and he'll push them to be out soul winning. But we've never done the first step, which is to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water to delight in God's law so much that we meditate on it day and night. Not only are we productive, we looked at permanent. I've got to look at my own notes here. We looked at permanent, we looked at provision, we looked at productive. We're also impervious to circumstances. The fourth phrase here, his leaf also shall not wither. Some people grow fine spiritually when everything is aligned just right. There's no problems. Life's good. Finances are stable. They've got a good church. They're joining with other Christians. Things are easy. Their health is good. They grow fine. But as soon as one of those goes away, they lose their health and they've got chronic illness. Or they're separated for some reason from the church where they've been fellowshipping. Or they lose a job and there's financial instability. Suddenly, suddenly, they're not the same Christians that they were. Their leaf withers. One of the reasons is because they're relying on these outside circumstances to be just right to grow. This verse tells us that if we're meditating on God's word, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and our leaf will not wither. Now, I've got a tree in my yard. And if you come by and you see my yard, you'll notice that the leaves are sort of crinkly. It's only September. Uh, it's October, isn't it? Ooh. Time flies. It's October and the leaves are already crinkly. Some of them have already fallen off of the tree. And you know why? The tree is under stress because it's not getting enough water. You say, don't you water your lawn? We're in a drought. Hello? No, I don't water my lawn. I tore all my lawn out. I put non-waterable things on my lawn. And the tree is under stress because it's not getting enough water. So I have been watering it recently because I'm not trying to be mean to trees. Environmentalists, notice I'm watering my tree now. It's going to take some time before those leaves are going to fill out again. Maybe you've noticed this in a smaller bush. My wife has a rose bush that she loves. It's got beautiful, sweet-smelling roses. And if we forget to water it just a few days in the heat of summer, boy, that thing withers like that. If you're careful with it and you give it some water for a few days, those leaves turn right back to beautiful green. But if we're a tree... If, if we're a Christian meditating on God's word, we are like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water and our leaf doesn't wither. The circumstances don't shrivel us up. How many of you think we live in a stressful culture? Okay, God bless the rest of you. I think it's a very stressful culture. There's constant pressure on us to perform. I mean, think about driving. Driving is stressful. My daughter... Elsie, 
said to me something along the lines of, she's a sweetheart, she said, you're sort of like a different person when you drive. I said, it's not me, it's all the idiots on the road. No, I did not say that to her. I was I'm glad for the observation. I was, opened up a good conversation. Seriously, driving is stressful. Paying the bills is stressful. If you have kids, it's stressful. And then they grow up to be adults, and then it's more stressful. How do we not be overwhelmed by the stress? I mentioned being on a roller coaster. Some of it's the building project. Some of it's my own home. Trying to get my, not my home, my family, my building that I call a house, right? Okay, that home, we're trying to get it ready for sale. That's been a struggle this week. And then this morning, a friend of mine from texted me from Mongolia with good news. And Jeff called me and he had good news. Boy, I just feel like I've been up and down and up and down. How do we remain stable when life comes at us so quickly? When there's so much stress, I tell you how we do it. We meditate on God's word. We're like a tree. We're planted by the rivers of water. Our leaf doesn't wither. I'm I'm out of time. I actually have a couple more points. Let me give you the last one from verse 3, which is, whatever he does will prosper. You want to be prosperous? Now, if you misunderstand prosperity as in money, right? Oh, if I meditate, I'll get a million dollars. No, no, no. If I meditate, all my health problems will go away. No, I, I can't guarantee you that either. If I meditate, my adult grown children are going to get wise. Not necessarily. But whatever you do will prosper. God will be there to bless it. And regardless of what we see with our eyes, faith tells us that God's blessing is more important than anything else. God's blessing is more important than anything else. God's blessing is more important than anything else. So if I believe that by faith, regardless of what my eyes see, regardless of what it seems like in my culture, if I believe that God's blessing is more important than anything else in my life, I'll tell you how you're going to get God's blessing. You're going to meditate. You're going to meditate. You're going to take time to think deeply about the scripture and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The same promise is given to us in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. I'm I'm, going to read the rest of it here. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. That's verse 7, actually. It comes up again in verse 8. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Where does that prosperity and success come from? And again, not measured in dollars, not measured in health, not measured in relationships, measured in God's blessing. Where does that prosperity and good success come from? It comes from meditating on God's word. So I'm going to give you more homework I'm giving you homework every week during this Back to the Basics. The first week we looked at prayer. I encourage you to take at least 10 minutes a day. More if God will lead you to, but at least 10 minutes a day in prayer. Last week, meditating on John 10, verse 9. This week, in your bulletin, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That verse is a great encouragement to those of you with adult children. And you think, boy, I'm not sure I see a whole lot. Listen, the God who began a good work in them will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
And meditating on that verse can bring us great comfort and confidence in prayer as we ask for God's blessing on our children. But where does it start? It starts with meditation. Memorize, or at least write it out. Put it in a pocket. Put it in a purse. Pull it out during the week. Memorize, or write it down and meditate, meditate, meditate. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Do you want to have success? Do you want to have prosperity in your Christian life? Do you want it to be permanent, not just temporal, not just lasting for a day or a week or a month? You want it to be, have a basis for permanent success in your Christian life. The Bible says the answer is meditation. Father, I have been blessed this week with grace from you to go up and down on the roller coaster of life because I've hid your word in my heart and I had verses to meditate on. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Thank you for those promises. Father, for those out here that have been investing in meditation now for some time, quicken, make alive your words. Encourage them prod them on to continue to meditate. For those Christians that they've not made meditation a discipline, they've not made it a habit of righteousness yet, use this message, use Jeff's encouraging words to propel them into serious efforts at meditating on your word, to hide your word in their hearts that they will not sin against you, to make your word their meditation, so the words of their mouth and the meditation of the heart is acceptable to you, to make your word the foundation on which they build their lives. So when the storms of life come, and they do come, their house, their life, their work is not swept away by the storms because it's founded upon a rock, the words of Jesus. We thank you for this promise that if we'll take time to meditate, you will make our way prosperous and you will give us good success. That you will plant us like a tree planted by the rivers of water in the water of your word, in the water of your Holy Spirit. And we'll be impervious to the circumstances of life. Father, we lift this up to you this morning. We're so, we're so honored to be called your children. So blessed to be part of your work Now open our eyes to our part to develop these godly disciplines and to cultivate them. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.